Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah. I love my HBCU and bar. I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU and man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, I tune into the HBCU sports lab to see if my team won a lot. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talking Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talking they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot of yeah. yeah. And who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention. Boy. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. I believe we have a good one today. A lot of intrigue is out there, and we're going to have an interview to see if we can get you more information that you have requested. So we've made the call, and I believe we have, we'll have SWAT Commissioner Dr. Charles McCullen on to answer the call, as they say. Welcome to Episode 233 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Radio show and podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBC dashboard, all things HBC sports from the institutions large and small. From the NEIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBC sports culture and HBC athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBC athletic programs and the business of HBC sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cabille, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to our Case Wage 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. With that, let me jump right to it. Mike, how you doing? I'm just good, Doc. Hearing some good news coming out. Can't wait to get started in the show. Charles, <clears throat> what do you have to say? Oh, I'm doing well. Tonight's a sport code night. I think somebody's already pointed it out. You know, Don's right? sport codes, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting into this chat this evening uh, and, and looking at some uh, basketball action coming up this weekend. Hey, man, the, the, the <clears throat> professors are in the building. It's time for the election. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Absolutely. Absolutely. With that being said, let me stay with you, Charles, in terms of what it's some of the news that's hot out there. Obviously, we talked about the SWAC news, and we'll get more into that. So outside of that, what is hot and heavy for you right now? Yeah, huge news uh, coming out of Jackson today. Shador Sanders lands an NIL deal with Gatorade, and thus becomes the first HBCU athlete to join the Gatorade lineup, uh, a lineup that includes the likes of Serena Williams, J.J. Watt, Zion Williamson, Trevor Lawrence, D.K. Metcalf, Candace Parker, and Jason Tatum. So a uh, great commercial that came out uh, with regards to uh, Shadour and uh, Gatorade. Uh, uh, check it out on uh, YouTube. 
Especially yeah, let me first, on YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Uh, well deserved, uh, but that's hot, man. And whoever he makes sure put together his his commercials, man, they need an award for that alone. Um, they're nice. They are nice, bringing a pure interest in multiple different ways. Let me go to you, Mike. See what's on your mind. Uh. Two words, Miles College. Miles College is in the news for several reasons, a couple of reasons. First, on um, this Wednesday, Sam Shade has been named or selected uh, to take over the reins of the Miles College football program. Shade is a former assistant football coach for the Cleveland Browns, Georgia State, and Sanford. Shade recently served as the head football coach and athletic director for Pinson Valley High School. Uh, Shade led the Pinson Valley uh, Indians to a uh, 2026A state championship. So comes with a good pedigree. So I mentioned Miles. So, you know, let's switch to basketball. And their former men's basketball coach, Roosevelt Sanders, passed away, unfortunately, at the age or really had it went home. Uh, to glory uh, at the ripe old age of 84 years old. He coached the Bears from two, from 1998 to two, uh, 2006. His official ledger shows, uh, I think his record was like 78 and 106, but there were a number of wins, I think 35, 36, taken away uh, because of NCAA penalties against the Miles Athletic Department five years after he coached his final game. So, uh, so it shows a lot, but a truly legendary coach, and I know that the Miles family will definitely remember uh, Coach Sanders. So, good deal, good deal, Charles. What else do you have? Yeah, let's take a look at Florida A and M. This comes from the Florida A and M uh, Athletics, as they were one of the first uh, HBCUs to drop their 2022 football schedule. Uh, let's take a look at it. They start off week zero. <clears throat> They'll have an FBS game against the North Carolina Tar Heels. September 4th, it is the Orange Blossom Classic against Jackson State. Albany State comes uh, to play you uh, September 10th. Then they have a sweat contest uh, against Alabama and Mississippi Valley comes in uh, October 1st. Celebration Bowl champion, they go to South Carolina State October 8th. Uh, they go to Grambling October 15th. Homecoming, UAPB comes to Tallahassee. Southern comes to Tallahassee this year, November 5th. Alabama State, November 12th. And then, of course, you close things out November 19th with Bethune-Cookman in the Florida Classic. So, nice schedule from Florida a <clears throat> Man, yes, it's getting interesting. <laughs> we got basketball about to hit the midway mark in the SWAC. You got basketball in the MEAC. You see how play SIC. Gold Coast Athletic Conference doing their thing, expansion here. Oh, man, it's big out there. And then you sneak in and you're going to start hearing the ping of the bats. When you talk about baseball and softball, it's getting close. a little more track, more <laughs> outdoor track. It's going to get fresh, hot, and heavy. And then you got spring football as well, which means you're going to have fall football. So it starts to circle around. So you get the football schedules coming out. So people are going to get a little interesting, starting to scratch their head. And then we got the commissioner, Dr. Charles Cullen, putting out this big old surprise to everybody about looking at football next couple of years. So a lot of interest going on. We'll get more onto that. That's just a little tease. We'll get more into that. Mike, what else do you have on your plate? Well, you know, following in line with my good friend, good partner, CB, Gremlin State uh, released its official 
2022 football schedule. It starts out on uh, September 3rd against Arkansas State, November, uh, September 10th at Northwestern State in Shreveport. Uh, then they, on, on 17th, they go on the road to Jackson State, to Jackson, Mississippi. Then on September 24th, they will take on uh, Bethune on the road. And then, of course, there's a State Fair Classic on October 1st versus Prairie View A&M. And then they move on to play, uh, face Alabama A&M on the road again. And then uh, for the rest of the month, they have Florida A&M, as, as CB mentioned, Alcorn State. And then as they move into November, starting the 5th, they have Arkansas, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff for, for their homecoming. And then they finish up uh, against Texas. Texas Southern and Southern University. So a pretty good schedule lineup for Grambling State in 2022 as Hugh Jackson really uh, takes the reins and is really making an impact on the recruiting scene. Yeah, Hugh Jackson. Yeah. And as he said, signing day is next week. As you kind of chuckle, Charles. <laughs> what you got in your pocket? What you got in your pocket? <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's, let's stay with Grambling. When we talk about Hugh Jackson, I'm going to have to – Make him an honorary member of the Flying One Lillers, the way he got uh, folks flipping over there in Grambling. But let's take a look. Uh, Hugh Jackson and <laughs> Grambling State, they've done it again. They uh, flipping the SEC transfer that had committed uh, to Southern for the second time in as many weeks. Former LSU linebacker Dante Starks, he announced on Wednesday that he was decommitted from Southern to pay, play for Grambling. So they got another flipper in there, Dante Starks. Interesting. Very interesting. I see. I see. Well, let me go back to you, Mike, uh, before we get into this break. I think we're going to get in here a little early and see if we can get this interview going. I know people are anticipating and waiting, so we're going to see if we can and do just that. But I do want to go back to you, Mike, and let you get some other news. I know you have some other things that you want to get out there uh, before we get into this first break. So, so one that's near and dear to my heart, you may have seen the preview of March, uh, uh, Prairie View's documentary on CW39, catch the epi- second episode this Sunday. Uh, I believe it's 8 p.m. Central Time. Um, Prairie View, uh, if you, yeah. I know this may say, sound redundant because I also covered this on 1876 Sports and Culture, but make sure you check out the, all of the aspects of some of the band students, band directors, and of the program in and of itself. I think the documentary does a great job of covering not only the the band itself, but the rigorous schedule. It truly is a marching sports event. So, not only great information, Mike, but you're learning, Professor. Nice plug. Nice way to slide that plug in. I saw that. I saw that. You see? You see that, y'all? I saw that. I saw the emphasis he put in there. We might might, might give you an A- for that. That was pretty good. Uh, Pretty good. With that, let's take our first break, early break. This is Dr. Mill inside the HBC Sports Lab. We're going to go into the second quarter. We got that timeout. We're going to come back and give you a little more of the first quarter. Then we're going to get into the second quarter. We're going to phase it out. So stick with us. We'll be right back, and we'll have a nice surprise on the other side. Are you ready? Oh. That spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. 
Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love left and root about, So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention because he's going to teach you. This is Dr. Gaville inside the HBC Sports Lab. As you see, we have none other than SWAC Commissioner Dr. Charles McCullen on. So I figure we're going to go into the lab. We're going to really dissect and get into some meaningful questions. So I just wanted to make sure I looked appropriate. I've got my lab coat on. Uh, the other professors, Professor Washington, Professor Bishop, did not get the assignment. So they're going to start out with him. Squared, and we'll see if we can rectify that back in. But all seriousness, um, it's a pleasure to always have Dr. Charles McCullough, the commissioner of, of, of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. So welcome to the show again. No, thank you guys for having me. You really dropped some uh, big news coming out of the SWAT yesterday and um, a lot of interest. You know things are really going well in the conference when Every time you think that you can get a break and you can get into some other conversation, it really circles back to the SWAC when you talk about HBCU sports. And this time it's based on what is called SWAC sets to hold a series of football games in Birmingham. Um, for those, most people realize this now, this is Birmingham's Legion Field. Most people are very aware of the historic nature of Legion Field. And this is a three-year uh, series to start things off. Uh, it will feature uh, Jackson State and Pine Bluff in the first year, and that's 2022, 20, uh, and then 2023 and 2024. It will feature Jackson State, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, Coach of the Year at the FCS level, as well as the SWAC, um, and Coach Eric Dooley that is taking over the Southern program after me getting to the SWAC championship game as the head coach of Prairie A&M University, and anybody that knows the business understands the rival 
uh, that exists between Jackson State and Southern, which really makes this interesting. So let me just start out um, the question in terms of how did this come to fruition? Yeah, and the title SWAT Sets to Host is probably not the best title. That was actually written by the city of Birmingham. This is actually the institution uh, hosting their own games. Uh, they So when we entered into an agreement with uh, Birmingham three years ago, uh, when I first arrived, one of the tenets of that deal was we were going to host our basketball championship. And in hosting the basketball championship, we got Fair Park Arena at no cost. Uh, so we were able to participate in the sport of basketball and actually participate in the sport of track uh, at no cost. And we were able to maintain ticket sales. So bringing in individuals to the city and hotel nights, that's how the city uh, makes their money. Uh, for us, being able to attract and have a solid business model. And I go back, Dr. Cavill, uh, the Southwestern Athletic Conference almost went bankrupt by hosting the SWAC championship at Reliance Stadium and at the Toyota Center. It was not a sustainable model. And if you recall, um, in 2019, the SWAC championship game was to be at Legion Field, and it was the last year of the SWAC championship. Because of the circumstance, we were able to move it uh, to the home institution. The president saw that it was a money-making venture, and thus we have the games on campus. <clears throat> but the premise of the deal was anywhere that we go, anywhere that we have championships, the cities should invest into the Southwestern Athletic Conference. We should not be paying hundreds of thousands of dollars. And in some instances, uh, when you combine both Reliance Stadium and Toyota Center and all of the expenses that went into the championship, you know, million plus dollars, it almost bankrupt us. But a part of that deal, we said, hey, you know, we know that you have Legion Field. We know that the new stadium, Protective Life, is, is coming on board. Uh, and I think I made a statement on yesterday that uh, Legion Field is run by the city and Protective Life is run by the county. And that's probably 90% true. The city does have investment in Protective Life, but there's a park board that runs uh, Legion Field and going through the city council, we have the ability to get that stadium. Protective Life Legacy Arena has some county uh, involvement. So it's difficult to get that arena, especially at a discount or even at the rate that we were able to get it now. So what we told the city was, if we can have the facility uh, and be able to generate revenue for the city, uh, will you give us the facilities at no cost? And they ultimately agreed. And that's how the basketball championship ended up in Birmingham. Uh, it is only, they have the only certified indoor track facility in the region. So, you know, several conferences, I think it's like 12 conferences will come to Birmingham uh, where we were normally paying for that. We don't have to pay for that anymore. Significant savings for the conference. So we let our member institutions know that if anybody was interested in controlling their own destiny when it comes to their football games outside of, you know, what they already have in existence, uh, you know, there's opportunity at Birmingham. So you fast forward to Bethune-Cookman, Florida a and uh, joining the conference. Uh, the membership voted to have and maintain 
an eight-game conference schedule. So that means you have six in the East, six in the West. So mathematically, a team or two are going to have to roll off your schedule for two years. So in the uh, case of Jackson State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, uh, Pine Bluff is not on Jackson's schedule. Uh, in the case of Southern in 23 and 24 in Jackson, uh, they were not on the schedule. So this wasn't a situation where SWAC went to these member institutions and said, we are the SWAC office, we can do what we want to do, you're coming to Birmingham and play. That's not what this was at all. The two institutions have the ability uh, to be able to schedule whatever games they want to schedule, play wherever you know they want to play. Um, it is my understanding that both Jackson and Southern were having some difficulties in working out scheduling. And I've looked at some of the social media. They said, well, they're playing in Birmingham, they could play at home. That's probably uh, true. But there's more to scheduling and, than just scheduling. I don't know all of the intricacies because I don't get into member institutions and their ability or inability to schedule games. But keep in mind, when teams roll off, roll on, it's not necessarily the same weekend. It's not necessarily the same time frame in the schedule. When we put this schedule together, there were several schools that had game guarantees and other games already scheduled all the way out to 2026. So part of the issue that we had was putting teams together. So, again, there are a lot of issues that could have occurred uh, that would have created some scheduling issues. I know that that's a pretty difficult concept for a lot of people to understand, but I can give you one example. Uh, not this is, I don't know if this is the case or not. I haven't talked to Southern, I haven't talked to Jackson, but one common scenario that we ran into when we looked at our schedules and who played and who rolled off is somebody going to each other two times in a row. Uh, this was a really big issue uh, in the previous schedule. If you looked at the previous schedule, Texas Southern and Pine Bluff was scheduled uh, where Texas Southern had to kind of bite the bullet in order for the schedule to be whole and go to Pine Bluff two years in a row. They would have gotten two years of uh, return games on the back end of the schedule, but in order to make it fit, they had to do that. If Texas Southern uh, did not agree to do that, we would not have been able to schedule that game, right? So there are a lot of intricacies in schedule. It could have been the athletic director said, hey, I want to play first, or I want to play last, and having those issues worked out. I don't know what the issues are. I guess my point is there are a lot of things that go into scheduling. The conference office didn't go and say, hey, what's all of the issues? But the two schools came and said, hey, we want to play this game. Uh, to us, we have some issues. Uh, is the deal with Birmingham still viable and on the table? And the answer was absolutely yes. So we went to the city and said, hey, we have institutions that are interested. What can you do? Ultimately, when they released it, you know, they released it at 200000 for the first year, 300000 for the next two years. But the key to all of this, in my opinion, is that you have a facility that you don't pay rent, you don't pay light, you don't pay cable, uh, you, know, you don't play all of the expenses that it takes to put on a football game at home. You get to keep 100% of the ticket sales, and because the SWAC is – able to be involved, we can bring now some of our major corporate sponsors. I give one example. Uh, SWAC is a Pepsi entity. Uh, Baton Rouge, uh, excuse me, Southern University at Baton Rouge is a Coke entity. We could not bring Pepsi money to that football game. 
if this game is played at a central location, we now can bring Pepsi money to that entity. And there are a lot mm. of crossover sponsors that we don't interfere with localized sponsorships. Everybody have car dealerships, right? GM is a major sponsor of ours now. GM can be a part of that game. So that's what we were saying with, you know, with the money that the city put in, with the ability for the schools to keep 100% of the ticket revenue and our ability to be able to generate sponsorships, uh, it was gonna be a win-win for both schools. But I wanted to be absolutely clear. This is not a SWAT game. This game is owned by the institutions. It will be run for the most part by institutions. Ultimately, when I say most part, ultimately what we talked about was hiring a manager to do the things that it takes to do game day operations, not a third party promoter, but hiring somebody that's responsible for making sure that the tickets are here and the commercials are there. That's a, that's a minimal cost, but that's gonna be controlled by the schools. It's not gonna be controlled by the conference and 100% of that revenue will go back to both institutions. So, you know, we've reported that, you know, this is a large payday for the member institutions for a game that ultimately rolled off the schedule that both institutions wanted to play, was looking for an opportunity to come to some middle ground. And that's ultimately how these games became uh, to fruition. But I would say, and I know that was a long explanation, what we tried to do in the conference office was create an opportunity that had never been created before. And that is for the member institutions to own the game uh, and be able to sell the game and be able to keep the revenue. If you look at the Florida Classic, that's a model that Bethune-Cookman uh, and Florida A&M has, but I think it's uh, elevated when you can get a free facility, uh, no expenses, and you're able to keep all of the revenue. Yeah, similar to what you see with the Magic City Classic. I wanted to level set a little bit before I pass um, opportunity to give uh, both Charles and Mike a chance to ask a question. And one of the things first is the scheduling thing uh, that you talked about the eight game format. It's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that um, many of us heard and it was very open in terms of the decision of what the division <clears throat> looked like. And part of that was also about understanding how you could put together a schedule. And there was a question in terms of looking at various formats, anything that included a seven game schedule up to a nine game schedule. And right. the member institutions decided on what they thought was best. And then the conference actualized it in terms of moving forward. So that's one part just to verify that's correct. That the second correct. part that I thought was important, I wanted to get on the table um, and you, you said a lot there, but I think it's important, at least for me, that I want to understand in terms of what is operating costs. A lot of people don't quite understand that. And I like to use the term operating game day operating costs. What does that compass? And you don't necessarily have to go to everything that's involved in it, but at least what is that type of cost? And go back between what you said is like $100,000 to rent out and all the costs associated with policing, security, and all those things in terms of events, such as um, a, a large facility at that time, Reliant NRG, can be up to 90, 100K type thing, renting out uh, the basketball ring, and you know, 75, 100K on those things. But generally speaking, what is the operating cost maybe on campus for most institutions to putting a large scale event in terms of like a championship game? 
Yeah, that, that's a good question. I heard somebody say, hey, if you were going to move it, go to Jerry's World. We could if, if we could afford the $2 million worth of rent mm -hmm. uh, to go to Jerry's World. We could if we could afford, you know, the Superdome. We could if we could afford NRG. The NRG rate, Kenyatta, uh, when we were uh, operating out of the NRG, it was somewhere in the $600,000 range, right? So this is a model where we're trying to make money, not necessarily... We want to put money back into the member institutions. But when you start talking about operations on campus, no, you don't pay stadium rent, uh, but you have to pay police. You have to pay light. You know, you have to buy toilet tissue. You got to buy hand sanitizer. You know, you have to pay for the uh, clock operator. You have to pay for the officials. You have to pay for the people to paint the lines. I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, one of the bigger expenses that we found when we actually rented out Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium was uh, how much it cost to collect the trash and dump the trash, right? Uh, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, when we had the field painted when, for the championship game, Jackson was there. We had to pay for that paint. We had to buy the stencil for Prairie View. That was a $20,000 expense just to put the stencil down and the paint and the things that needed just to put those things down. So. I mean, the operational costs vary, uh, but if you're talking, the more people, uh, the more operational costs there are. So each institution has a varying cost, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. Thank you. Great point. Charles, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think the million dollar question that I, I wanted to ask Dr. McClellan, obviously Birmingham put together a tremendous uh, financial incentive package, but uh, is this a model that other cities can replicate in terms of what Birmingham did? You know, Charles, that's a that's a good question and one that I think uh, the message that we're trying to send. I talked about this. I think I talked about it on your show a couple of years ago. You know, we know what our worth is now. I mean, we're looking at the television numbers. We're looking at the attendance numbers. And I think, you know, this is an opportunity for us to set a precedent of our brand. And we know now what we can generate on our own. So if somebody else, even if it's a third party promoter wants to come in and get these teams, we know what that dollar amount is now. We actually have data to show what we can generate. So, you know, our teams want to play in classic games. They want to go out, but you know, what's the dollar amount? A lot of what we talked about within our league, you know, two teams are negotiating against the same power five institution for two different guarantees, right? And nobody is really talking. What we're trying to do is synergize that. But at the same time, there are two things as commissioner that I really would not want. I don't want you to have to go play a power five school and get beat up. At the same time, I don't want you to go play, you know, uh, I don't want to offend anybody. So I won't, I won't say, you know, the, the uh, little children of, you know, North sure. Houston, uh, <laughs> to get games in either. If we had a model that Florida A&M followed, and that was legitimate Division One games. They didn't win SWAC. They got into the FCS playoffs. And that strengthens FAMU, that strengthens our league, and that strengthens our brand, and that actually strengthens how much these schools can go out and generate. My responsibility as commissioner Charles, is when the schools come to me and say, hey, commissioner, we would like for you to do X. It's my responsibility to go out and do X and execute that for the schools. But at the same time, setting the trend and the precedent of this is what it's going to cost to be able to go get 
institutions within the Southwestern Athletic Conference. No longer are we going to go and take less than what we're worth. Mm-hmm. Totally understandable. With that, let me let Mike jump in here and ask a follow-up question. Uh, thank you, Dr. Cavillan. And uh, how are you doing, Dr. McClellan? Doing fine, Mike. All right. Uh, quick question. Can you quantify at least high level, uh, so, you know, what the some of the tangible and non-tangible earning potential is not only for the SWAC. We know it's going to benefit some of those schools uh, that participate, but also for the city. You've seen some comments that, you know, the city of Birmingham is going to lose out. And, you know, they're going into this, you know, full hearted, you know, they, they had the forethought that, you know, they're owning a lot of the operating, but pretty much most of the operating costs, but there's going to be a benefit for them too. So can you share for our listeners on both sides or, you know, I don't want you to go into all the details, but this sure. is truly a win-win uh, situation. Well, Birmingham is not going to lose out. They have experts that run data points. They know what the economic impact of this game is going to be. And that is the reason why they're offering these things. And when you look at the city of Birmingham, they just announced that the USFL League is now based in Birmingham. All of the seven teams are based in Birmingham. Uh, NCAA Regional is coming to Birmingham. Um, you know, they have a NBA G League team. The New Orleans uh, Pelicans G League team is in Birmingham. So Birmingham is pretty astute. They want to be a sports city. I think what I saw, you know, a lot of what I saw on social media was that the city of Jackson is going to lose out uh, and the city of Baton Rouge is going to lose out. And technically, that's true. This game, um, if that game was played in both of those cities, both of those cities would get uh, the revenue. But I think that's ultimately what Birmingham said. We have to put a package together to be able to lure some of these games uh, to Birmingham. Um, and that's what they did. I think if these schools can walk away with the type of resources that we're talking about, you know, if you have a million dollar football game every time you step on the field, you know, a lot of these problems that these schools are talking about will be gone. You know, Coach Prime had to go out and basically hustle up the money for new turf, right? You mm-hmm. create your right, right opportunities. You can get new turfs every time you play a football game. Um, and, you know, again, I heard some of the social media chatter, you know, I understand and, you know, wholeheartedly understand the Southern Jackson matchup, moving that game off campus, uh, to a, a central location is something that the fan base had issue with. Uh, but I think that, you know, playing the football game on campus is extremely important. But if an institution can generate a half a million or a million dollars more going somewhere else, and that's going to help them recruit student athletes, increase scholarships, buy weights, you know, renovate locker room, all of those things that they're trying to fundraise for and they can't get it. That is the reason why they're going to play Alabama and Auburn and, and UCLA. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, when they go play those games, they're not making a whole lot. I don't necessarily want to, you know, psychoanalyze everything that they do. But just keep in mind, if somebody pays you 650000 and you have to fly the football team out and fly the band out, you're not bringing home a, a lot of money. And some of these third-party classes, right, the money might look good up front. Uh, but you have to fly to all of these cities and transport, you know, in this instance – you know, Jackson State could get on a bus, literally 
spend the night, go home. Southern could get on the bus, literally spend the night, eat, and go home. And I've been an athletic director. I know how much it costs to go from Houston to Alabama. It cost me for a two-day trip about fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars. So I know what it costs. And if you could pay fifteen, seventeen thousand, and walk away with a million bucks, I think that's you know a, a good deal. And again, I know that I put figures out there. They are preliminary figures. We could have minimal attendance. We could have maximum attendance. That is the reason why the the money that Birmingham put in, plus the ability for us to go and generate not localized sponsorships, but larger sponsors. And I tell you, we got our numbers from ESPN uh, and we looked at the viewership numbers. And I had a conversation with Coach Prime today about this because uh, I know that he's very adamant about being on linear and so are we. And we're making a tremendous amount of progress on expanding our linear opportunities. Um, and they will be expanded. Uh, but we had some ESPN Plus games that outdrew games that were on ESPN 2. Uh, so our fan base is following our teams. Uh, they're going to whatever platform they have to look at, and that is extremely valuable to us. And again, when we get these numbers, it raises the value of these games and these schools. And our goal is to put money back into the institution. And I'll, I'll say this, and, and I'll be quiet because I know I'm way – past your uh your question because this is much bigger in my eyes than a football game this is about our brand this is about our history this is about our legacy the swag has been financially solvent now uh for three years uh we will distribute seven figures minimum back to the membership this year we've never distributed that amount of money and we were able to turn a two million dollar deficit when I inherited the job. And in 2022, we right now know that we can distribute seven figures back to our member institutions. Now, doesn't go quite as far because <laughs> we have 12 versus 10, but this is the power of increasing our brand, increasing our sponsors, increasing our television package and doing these types of things. Everybody wins when we stick together and we move forward in, in one direction. That's a little off topic about this game from, from the topic of this game. But I wanted to let you know that we all are looking at the bottom line. And that is giving revenue to our member institutions in order for them to be able to have quality programs. Yep. And, and there's no need to apologize. You, you basically answered my question. I just wanted some of our members, you've heard the chatter on social media here that, you know, there's, there's a there's an evaluation process and there's selling points for both sides. So thank you for sharing that. And essentially yeah, what, you're, what, you, what you're saying is uh, you're creating a new language, if you will, uh, to not rely on money games, uh, if right. I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Well, I'm creating uh, or at least attempting to create not only a new language, but a new paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Right. When you start looking at what's happening with the new constitution and we have the transformational committee and you hear all of this chatter about the power five, they want more autonomy. They're probably going to get it. Uh, the Power Five is talking about separate. Let's say the Power Five does separate and the Group of Five separate. Where does that lead the Southwestern Athletic Conference? I think it leaves us in a pretty unique position. Uh, we are a unique conference. We can play each other and get a million-dollar payout per game, get a SWAC championship game, and get you know significant amount of money and go to a bowl game. 
you know, I'm not necessarily relying on the power five. We don't need to go play them anymore. We can create this new paradigm shift as to where this new business model will allow us to make the amount of money that we should be making by playing, you know, and, and I would say this too, you didn't necessarily ask this question. A lot of athletic programs don't get an opportunity to keep their revenue. I'm not necessarily saying this is the case in these games yeah. that we have, and I'm not pointing to any one institution, but you know, when you look at HBCUs and when you look at the financial aspect, you know, we get student fee, uh, some, some schools that are in uh, states that get state money, they get state money, but that's still not enough. The rest of it is generated by internal operation transfers, designated tuition transfers, right? Uh, when they go play these game guarantees, a lot of this money goes to pay back what was given to them up front. So we'll go play a football game. You might not necessarily see that money. So when you can generate your budget and over your budget, that's money that's going back into your program. So I think it might be somewhat of a misnomer if someone says, well, we're generating X amount of dollars for the athletics program for playing this football game. There are some institutions that are generating money that's not going to the football program. It's going to some other fund. Yeah. Let me let me ask a question that kind of stresses this out. I know we promised to get you off, but I think the dialogue is so important. If we can borrow a little more of your time in, in closing on something like this. Um, is there a chance that this will be extended past the three years? And I think Charles asked part of that you know, could it go to a different institution? I know contractually, obviously, it can't move now to a city during this three years because you signed con contract agreement about that. But past this, could this be extended out? Does this mean other member institutions such as FAMU uh, could be a part of this? Uh, you know, Prairie View uh, as well, Grambling even, could they be a part of this if it's extended past a three years? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. This is open to everyone. And I think that goes back to the original point. You see Arkansas at Pine Bluff, Jackson State and Southern, those were the three institutions that came to us to say, right. we want this to happen. So it's, it's open to anybody. Again, I'm not in the business of putting on football games. I'm in the business of making financial deals that's gonna be beneficial to teams. Once this deal is done, we're gonna pass the football operations off to the experts to do football operations. I saw somebody talk about this must be a sweetheart deal for the swag. Swag is not getting anything. I don't need anything. My responsibility is to make the budget. Everything over budget goes back to the schools. So I don't and, need and a To your point, as you talk about you don't need anything, I don't want to break in there and interrupt it, but you talked about distributing $7 million, which has never did before. You're only doing that if you're putting money back and you're not keeping minimal costs except what it takes to operate in terms of the championships and feeding the money back to the institutions. That's true, but I don't want you to get me in trouble. If I said seven, I meant seven figures, which is a million. So I want to be clear on what you said. I thought you said seven million. I was just going to make No, 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 seven figures. I guess I'm going to have to take back my tweet. Chuck said. I'm already jammed up. Don't get me jammed up. Anymore, but you know, my responsibility. No, if I did is say to, seven, I meant seven figures. Right. Well, my responsibility is to create revenue generating opportunities. It's the membership's responsibility to capitalize on those opportunities. 
I said this from day one, we're not force feeding anybody, even from a sponsorship perspective. You know, we didn't do conference-wide sponsorships. You don't see that anymore. We have a collaborative process that if you want to engage, uh, you can engage and you can reap, you know, the benefits. And if you don't want to engage, that's fine too. There's still going to be money at the end if we financially do this thing correctly. My main point is we are blazing new paths, right? We are creating a new paradigm as to how individuals look at and treat the Southwestern Athletic Conference. We know what our value is. We know what our worth is. And people might've thought those were just words three years ago, but it's manifesting itself. We're, we're not doing the same things today that we did yesterday. And to answer your question, I don't know what this game will be worth three years from now. Uh, I learned that lesson earlier. I'm not signing any more five-year deals and 10-year deals, right? <clears throat> we're shortchanging ourselves. Uh, and I'm going to bet on the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I'm not going to bet that I'm going to sign a, a low rights deal for 10 years from now. We're growing exponentially. This game, you know, if people want to participate, I think this sets a new trend, a new model. I think other cities are going to come. I think other cities have already started calling. You know, I've yep. had people, that, you know, somebody posted the SWAC uh, phone roster and they started calling the, the phones yesterday until they got the information about, you know, what the actual, you know, circumstances where they ultimately, you know, uh, stopped calling. But we had some people calling uh, trying to reserve suites for the game two years from now. <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't all bad. There were people that were actually, you know, interested in yeah, trying to stop. Hey, I want to be a part of this. Right? Yeah, yeah. Don't I'm mad, but I need to get my suite before somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I do. I do not, want to ask you this because we up on the time. I did want to ask you this uh, seriousness. Um, how challenging does this make it? As, as you see the model with conference churning, as we like to call it. How challenging does it make it in terms if teams have interest in the SPAC, in the SWAC in terms of expansion? How challenging now in terms of the revenue? And as you said, you got to find a way to bring more revenue for teams to look at accepting new members because you're spreading it out and it continues to cut up. So how does it challenging does it make to look at schools that may have an interest now in the SWAC? So that's why he put on that coat, gentlemen. That's a PhD question he's trying to answer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so expansion question. Uh, you know, I've been reading all your blogs. I'm a, I'm gonna avoid that one. Uh, the, the, one that I, the one thing that I, I got him. I finally got what he said. I can't answer right. it right now. That's good. Well, the one thing that I will say, it is the responsibility of the commissioner to continue to generate revenue for our membership. And we are 100% dedicated in doing so. I can tell you, we're not looking to expand. I said that very clearly. Uh, I said that clearly when uh, we had the opportunity for Pam Ewan Bethune Cook. And that was, in my opinion, you know, like I said, Christmas in July. Um, it is not on our radar to expand. It's on our radar to grow and strengthen the Southwestern Athletic Conference. But, you know, we're not going to sit back and just let, you know, revenue go by. Uh, we're going to create unique and innovative ways. And my responsibility is to grow. You know, I, I firmly believe, I firmly believe in five years that the Southwestern Athletic Conference could be a $25 million 
the 30 million revenue generating conference. And I'm saying this with real data, real conversations. This is just not, you know, pie in the sky. And we are close. We are extremely close. And I go back to, you know, my role and responsibility was to elevate the conference from a financial standpoint, make them vibrant. Um, and it's a group effort. You know, I'm just one person in this 12 institution process and the presidents, the ADs, the SWAs. And I know a lot of people always say that and you, you could say, yeah, that's just regular talk. No, it is significant. We have some outstanding leaders uh, and we could not be moving forward if we did not move forward together. And the future is extremely bright for the Southwestern Athletic Conference. So bright that we have cities that are coming in saying, we want your product. We're going to pay you cash. We're going to waive the fee. We're going to let you keep all of the ticket revenue. And we're betting on that you bring enough revenue to the city where not only it's going to be beneficial to you, it's going to be beneficial to us. Birmingham blazed the, the path. And I think, not I think I know other cities are going to do so. But, you know, you're going to have to pay the price. We're not going to come to your city and give you all of the money. You're going to have to, you're going to have to go back. And I'm, I'm saying that to those posters that were saying, you know, go to Jerry's world. Jerry's world isn't going to give us a break. Right? Uh, Jerry world is not going to give the deal uh, that we got at the, at the um, city council here on, on Monday. And at the end of the day, I've always said, this: if you don't want to play, if you don't want to take, uh, be a part of the deal. It's your choice. Nobody's forcing anybody to do anything. We're just trying to blaze a new path to where individuals can make more money than they've ever been able to make on these types of football games. Instead of going to get your head beat in or not making any money and paying to bring in an NAIA school, some of these games are not profitable, but they need games just to be able to go play the game guarantee. So I got to go play Alabama and get beat. So I'm going to have to take some of that money to bring in Charles McClellan Loot League team just to, you know, ease it off. That hurts the conference. That hurts our ratings. That hurts everything. Why not create opportunities where we can keep the revenue in-house and not be worried about what the other people uh, in other conferences are doing? You heard it here. I think it's a great place to leave it. Appreciate the extended time. This is Dr. Bills inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. You heard it from the commissioner of the SWAC, uh, Dr. Charles McCullen. Uh, you put out those numbers and you thought your phone was lighting up with everybody calling you. Now you're going to have some of these other athletic directors and presidents calling you in terms of they want a piece of that too. So you might have made it even more challenging to put that number out there. But it's a good problem to have. With that yeah. being said, on all serious notes, uh, we appreciate you, appreciate the work you're doing, appreciate you sharing uh, the insight in terms of being an open place where we can get this information. Uh, with that, we'll go into our commercial break. We'll be right back after this break. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Supermarket sushi, really? 
No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Full, but we Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Will with Inside HBC Sports Lab. We got a special edition. We got our second interview. We wanted to move from conference operation in terms of a new event that is on the horizon about on the basketball side of what this looks like. It's called the Bridge Builder Classic. Ask HBCU Basketball Experience, and it's brought to you by Mr. Kevin Ball. He is the event manager of the Bridge Builder Classic. Uh, He has an HBCU background connection in terms of his uh, Bachelor of Science degree obtained uh, from Alabama A&M University. Go Bulldogs. As they there like you go. <laughs> Business administration um, coming out of Memphis. Uh, this game will feature, uh, this weekend will feature at 5 o'clock, Jackson State, Grambling State University, 7 o'clock, Bethune-Cookman and Alabama State. Um, so with that, as we get into this, talk a little bit about how this came to being and obviously this game. It's Saturday the 29th. It's at the University of South Alabama's Center in Mobile, Alabama. Why this event? Hey, I, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you about it. We're very, very excited about this inaugural uh, event uh, because here in the Gulf Coast and specifically right here in Mobile, Alabama, we are HBCU enthusiasts. Mm. So one of the things that we wanted to do was create 
uh, something that right now does not necessarily exist, where we wanted to bring a tournament-style uh, uh, game environment uh, that featured SWAT basketball. So what we did was we, uh, we reached out and we were successful in getting Jackson State uh, versus Grambling and uh, Alabama State versus Bethune-Cookman all to play on the same day, uh, on the same court, same gym, uh, to expose this Mobile County, uh, this Gulf Coast region to quality HBCU uh, basketball play. Now, what I would like to share with you, what makes this event so unique is that we're bridging the gap. What we wanted to do was expose all of the local high school students to, H to the HBCU culture. So what we did was we scheduled three of the local basketball uh, <clears throat> high schools uh, to play before uh, the actual HBCU game started. So it's a full day of basketball. We have two high schools coming from Montgomery to play against teams right here in Mobile. So right. the first game begins at 10. The first game begins, at, the next game begins at 12. Then the next one is at two o'clock. Here's the, the key. We wanted to create a platform and a stage to where these players, uh, they, it is not every day they get a chance to play on a collegiate floor, such as the Mitchell Center. So this is a big deal. And to have them playing on the same court as these HBCU colleges, we're trying to expose not only these players, but all of the students who come and support these high schools to HBCUs. So we're trying to bridge the gap to expose all of the local high school potential uh, uh, students to HBCUs. And, and in my opinion, that exposure is immeasurable. Great points you're making. It uh, sounds like a tremendous event. Let me let Charles jump here and ask a follow-up question. Well, you, you touched on, on Mobile being uh, uh, a huge HBCU center. And when you take a look at uh, the number of players that come out of that Mobile area uh, going all throughout the conference, uh, talk about the city itself and how it became such a huge HBCU cultural center because uh, Mobile has just, uh, to not be a SWAC city per se, has always sent uh, players throughout all sorts of sports throughout the conference. Well, you know, anybody that's uh, anybody knows uh, there's so much talent right here in Mobile, whether it's football, basketball, or, or uh, baseball, from my African-American uh, high schools and students here. I mean, the breeding ground is just, it's just rich. Uh, you know, Nick Saban ain't down here uh, uh, every other month for no reason at all, you know? So there's a lot of talent here. So, you know, if, if Nick Saban can, can uh, recruit down here, why can't Alabama A&M or Jackson State and or you know, Alabama State. So the, the, the key is this city uh, uh, is recognized as having rich talent. Now, to ask your question, you know, since we have established classics long ago, because the Mobile is no stranger to HBCU mm -hmm. football, because we had the Gulf Coast Classic that featured Alabama State and Southern many years ago, and we've had a few other classics that were established after that. But currently we have the Gulf Coast Challenge, which features Alabama A&M versus Jackson State that's coming up. So I think with the football uh, uh, being ingrained here, what we mm -hmm. wanted to do was expose basketball because HBCU has just as quality basketball uh, uh, programs as they do football. And that's what 
We wanted to expose this city to, and the city is actually embracing it. Uh, the energy level and enthusiasm level, and most importantly, the interest level, oh uh, man, this week has really, really been high and great. So I did want to share that with you about here in the city of Mobile. Awesome. I think the intersection that you have of the high school games on the same day, the same floor, the same place, uh, with the action of the HBCU college games uh, that evening is unique and has the opportunity to really work. Mike, let me let you get in here and ask this final question. Yeah, uh, Kevin, a tremendous, tremendous event. You know, uh, you know, when did you first get this vision? How long did it take to put it together? And, and where do you see this ultimately growing to two, three years down the line? So the, the vision came about last year uh, as the Gulf Coast challenged the football game. Uh, it just grew immeasurably from year one. It, the first game was back in 2018, and I was just so uh, impressed and proud of the support that the HBCUs got with the surrounding football. So we said, well, why not extend that to basketball? So that process started over a year ago and said, how can we create this? But if we did it, we wanted to do it in a unique way. And that's the reason why uh, this whole national effort, as it should be, is to expose the country to HBCUs. And that's this is our way of trying to expose those students. Now, to answer your question, also, uh, where we see this going is we would love to see this be as big and probably bigger than what you see the CIA uh, over on the East Coast. We want this to be representative for the SWAC representation of that, uh, that event. And so we anticipate eventually it being a week long Worth will have ancillary events leading up to this game, uh, where we'll have college career fairs, where we'll have even uh, some business networking reception opportunities, and uh, to mix the corporate world with the HBC community. If you're following where I'm going, so eventually, where yeah, so eventually where we see this is to be larger than what they're doing at CIA. And I'm and if I could just share with you one last comment, the other thing that's unique to this situation and why I think that we're going to grow in year two, even bigger than what we're doing in year one, is the fact of the battle of the bands that we're doing right inside the Mitchell Center. Where you have Jackson State versus Alabama State, where you're going to have a drum major challenge, then you have a drum line battle. Those are two things when you, you know, band heads, and if you, even if you're not a band head, who don't want to see that matchup with the band, uh, a bunch of band drum majors excuse me drum majors are going against one another and those drum lines are battling as well as well as just all of the music that these collegiate bands are going to be playing in the arena so the house is going to be rocking so it's not going to take long for the word to get out that this is an exciting game this is something that you're not going to want to be missed and it's going to be high energy from as soon as you walk in until when you leave great point Last thing I have for you, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to let people know that haven't already got the tickets and things of that nature. Where can they get more information and where can they get tickets? Absolutely. They could definitely go to our website, www.bridgebuilderclassic.com. And again, that's www.bridgebuilderclassic.com where you can get your tickets in advance. We have a single entry pass, which is $15. And then we have a day pass, which is $30, where you can come and go all day uh, if you choose. Because, again, we start at 10 a.m., we're going all the way 
till the last game is done, 9 or 10 o'clock that night. Uh, so you can go to the website or walk up and just purchase your ticket that way as well. Well, I appreciate your time, Kevin Ball. I wish you the best of luck. This sounds like a great event, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll be in contact with you to see how we can continue to support. Um, like to see about uh, is this game going to be streamed or anything like that at this point? Actually, it is. It is. It's going to be streamed by a company website called Balling Down South. It will be streamed on Balling, B A L L I N, Down South. Hmm. Got it. Great like information. That. Appreciate your time. We look forward to chopping it up with you and wish you the best of luck. This is Dr. Bill's Inside HBC Sports Lab. We're going to take this last break, and we'll be right back to close out the show. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com. But if they want to have, uh, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. Spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Since 2000. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left, and who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Will inside the HBC Sports Lab. We're gonna give a close, but I'd be remiss if we didn't give some of the basketball games to keep your eyes on. Obviously, we broke down and told you about the games the previous weekend. We'll come back on Tuesday and give you that information. 
But some of the big matches out there that you want to keep your eyes on um, in terms of Saturday is South Carolina Upstate is on the road at North Carolina A&T. Hampton is on the road at Charleston Southern in terms of the Big South matchups um, in terms of the men. And then when you go to the OBC, you got a game tonight. Uh, Tennessee State women, they should be playing now, but you have the They're actually up 59-51 on uh, SIU third quarter. Good one. And that means the men will play SIU at that game 30 minutes after. That's on ESPN Plus about 7.30. And then you got Saturday, you got Tennessee State at Eastern Illinois matchups. Getting us in terms of the MEAC, talk about some of these matchups to keep your eyes on. In terms of what's going on, uh, Norfolk State is at South Carolina State. Norfolk State has won uh, their five straight. South Carolina State, three straight. Should be interesting to see, can South Carolina State shock the world as they did in the football season? Howard at North Carolina Central, uh, Maryland mm-hmm. Eastern Shore at Coppin State, Delaware State at Morgan State, and obviously it flips on Monday with Howard at South Carolina State, Morgan State at Maryland Eastern Shore, Coppin State at Delaware State and Norfolk State at North Carolina Central. Going to the SWAC, this will culminate in terms of ending the first half. Well, you would have the teams having nine games in the books after Monday. So let's see what's going on here. Some intriguing matchups, rivalry games, some big matchups. Saturday, Southern at Alcorn State, both, both teams have been playing really well all uh, the first part of the season and even previous to that. So it's interesting to see what this looks like. Um, and then you have Arkansas Pine Bluff at Mississippi Valley, another rivalry game. And then you have Florida A&M on the road at Alabama A&M. The ag schools get into the action. Grambling State at Jackson State, obviously a big rivalry on the football. They get it done in basketball as well. Should be interesting to see what goes on here. Texas Southern at Prairie. Well, we know what that means in terms of the Battle of Texas. Uh, that big boot is on the line. And then Bethune-Cookman at Alabama State. So on Monday, uh, you have four games which feature Bethune-Cookman at Alabama A&M. Southern at Jackson State. Should be fascinating, at least uh, both on the men's and women's side, just because of the rivalry, particularly on the women's side, with both teams playing really well. Uh, this is one we want to keep our eyes on. Grambling at Alcorn, rivalry as well. Then you have Florida A&M and Alabama State. That should be interesting because that's a game that could become a big rivalry in terms of vicinity of those schools. So those are the ones we wanted to keep your eyes on, keep you up to date what's going on. And obviously we talked about the builder bridge builder classic in those games. Uh, that'll be fascinating. Stay with my JBN, my BCSN. Uh, you know where you can go get the game. You might be able to get it here. Don't be surprised if we find a way in the mix, but keep your eyes on what's going on and download my JBN, my BCSN, keep it right here. Cause you know, we want to build it with that being said, that will do it for the lab today. Great job. Hold on, one Johnson. thing, one thing, Doc. What'd you say? One thing. Want to give sure. Talladega, Talladega's man some love. They're number two in NAIA. Oh, mm. yeah. Great one. Great shine that you put up there. Don't want to forget those matchups in the CIAA SIAC in terms of what's going on there. Uh, we showed some love in the terms of the Gold Coast Athletic Conference with Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes in terms of the expansion. She had earlier this week, and then you have Talladega. Uh, bringing in there as well. So it should be fascinating to talk about what's going on there. That'll do it for us. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Thank you for all the lab listeners. 
Uh, I am Dr. Kenyatta Cabell, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Coming to a close with the lecture. Hope you got your feel today. Great interviews, great information. As you said you wanted, we brought it to you. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Mills inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 o'clock. Shout out to Roy behind the scene, getting us going and making sure we can transition and making all this work. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You know where you get the exclusive interviews inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's inside the HBC Sports Lab. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles. Of course. Mike. Lecture. Dismissed.